0: Hello, I'm Aaron Lord, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. We all know how important diet and exercise are to weight loss and maintenance, but what about anti-obesity medications? How efficient are they? Today, we'll be discussing an abstract presented at Endo 2022 entitled, Long-Term Weight Loss Maintenance with Obesity Pharmacotherapy, a Five-Year Retrospective Study. Joining me is an author of that abstract, Dr. Michael Weintraub of Weill Cornell at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Weintraub. Thank you for having me, Aaron. So let's start at the beginning. How popular is the use of pharmacotherapy to treat obesity?
1: So pharmacotherapy to treat obesity is certainly underutilized. Forty percent of adults in the United States have obesity. However, only two percent receive anti-obesity medications. Compare this to, say, type 2 diabetes, where 86 percent of patients are given medications. And this is unfortunate as obesity occurs upstream in the pathogenesis of a number of medical conditions. And if weight loss can be sustained, these medical abnormalities can be reversed with meaningful benefits in type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and many other diseases where obesity is the cause. Is there a general agreement in the medical field as to their efficacy? Before we discuss anti-obesity medications, I think it's important to discuss lifestyle changes, and that's the cornerstone of obesity treatment. Intensive lifestyle changes that include dietary and activity modifications have an impact on weight loss. If we take the DIRECT trial, for example, this trial evaluated intensive dietary interventions in adults with obesity and type 2 diabetes. And after two years of follow-up, 11% of those in the dietary arm, or the dietary intervention arm, lost 15 kilograms. Compare that to just 2% in the control arm. And that magnitude of weight loss, the 15 kilograms, led to diabetes remission in 70% of those patients, Mm. which is rather incredible. Indeed. However, it is difficult to sustain that weight loss in the long term with just lifestyle changes alone. We're ultimately shaped by evolution to maintain a certain body weight set point. When we lose weight, our body doesn't know we actually lost that weight intentionally. Our body's physiology pushes back to regain that weight through various mechanisms such as increasing appetite and decreasing energy expenditure. So all of these studies of intensive lifestyle changes follow a similar pattern. There's this period of weight loss and then there's this slow but inevitable regain of that weight. And that's why we pair these lifestyle changes with anti-obesity medications. We can maintain weight loss by suppressing our own body's compensatory mechanisms with those medications. Medications we commonly utilize act centrally on appetite centers of the brain to decrease food cravings and intake so that ultimately
0: that weight loss is sustainable. When you talk about that roller coaster ride where you lose it and your body wants to regain it, I'm sure I'm not the only one, those of you listening to this podcast, right, uh, that is, is so real. So I'm eager to hear about what you were hoping to discover with the research that you're presenting here at Endo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So there, there are already a number of studies of FDA-approved medications that demonstrate
1: weight loss when combined with those lifestyle changes. However, few studies examine what level of weight loss we can expect with medications long term, say Mm. past two years. So in our study, we are hoping to discover what degree of weight loss is maintained after three to five years under that time frame. We also lack real-world studies to evaluate combinations of FDA-approved therapies as well as therapies that are approved for other conditions but are used off-label for weight loss. So we were looking to determine the weight loss that we can expect with medication combinations. Okay, well, let's jump
0: into it. Why don't you uh, tell us about your study?
1: Yeah, of course. I'd love to. So we conducted a retrospective review of 428 patients who presented to an academic weight management center and had a period of follow-up of at least two and a half years. And then we collected that patient's data stretching out to five and a half years. So patients had an initial BMI of 35 and a half. There were about 75% of patients were female. And then the average age was 51 years. And so our primary outcome was what is the total percentage of weight loss from initial to final visit. And then we also evaluated which medications and other factors were associated with a greater amount of sustained weight loss. And what did you find? So patients lost and maintained an average of 10.4% of their total body weight, which is in in our cohort is 23 pounds. And this weight loss is maintained through the end of the study period, which was a median of 4.7 years. The most common medication that was being prescribed and taken at that final visit, which was metformin, and that was in about three quarters of patients. And this was followed by topiramate, uh, fentramine, and bupropion. We also looked at factors that were associated with a greater amount of weight loss. So the number of provider visits, as well as the number of anti-obesity medications that were present at that final visit were associated with a greater amount of weight loss. So patients who lost actually greater than 10% of their total body weight, were taking a median of three anti-obesity medications compared to the patients who lost less than 10% of their total body weight, were just taking two uh, Hmm. of the anti-obesity medications. Did anything in your findings surprise you? Yeah, so we were actually surprised at the magnitude of sustained weight loss. So these patients not only achieved but maintained that weight loss through the the end of the study period. There haven't really been any other studies, especially with real-world data, measuring the effectiveness of anti-obesity medications over such a long period of time. Um, We were also surprised to see that in a subset of our patients, those that achieved a weight loss more than 10 percent, This was 216 individuals. Mm -hmm. There were 92 unique medication combinations. Wow! So it doesn't seem like there's a a one-size-fits-all medication regimen associated with long-term weight loss. And ultimately, frequent follow-up with the healthcare provider is needed to see which treatment strategies are working, which treatment strategies aren't working, so that medication adjustments can be made accordingly. And then another surprising finding was that the most common medications that were taken by individuals that lost more than 10% of their total body weight, Mm -hmm. they are all widely available as oral generic medications. So those were the metformin, topiramate, and bupropion. And that's important because everyone needs to have access to effective weight loss regimens, regardless of their insurance status or ability to pay. The more novel GLP-1 agonists and the dual GLP-1 GIP agonists have shown an impressive amount of weight loss in their seminal trials. However, patients can have difficulty with access to these medications due to their high cost. So our research could help guide uh, medical practitioners towards designing personalized, accessible treatments that aid
0: patients in attaining that long-term weight loss. So there are probably a lot of people out there who are maybe interested in this. Who is an ideal candidate for anti-obesity medications, and who isn't? As per the Endocrine Society Obesity Guidelines, individuals
1: with a BMI greater than 30 or a BMI greater than 27 with a weight-related comorbidity, such as type 2 diabetes, Mm -hmm. uh, is a candidate for anti-obesity medication. And so this should always be in conjunction with lifestyle changes.
0: And is there anything that we still need to learn about anti-obesity medications?
1: Well, Aaron, it's an exciting time for the medical treatment of obesity. There are therapies either recently approved in the, uh, or in the pipeline mm-hmm. with greater efficacy than what is traditionally available. Actually, in your prior podcast with Dr. Liu, he discussed the weight loss benefits of the incretin therapies, yeah. the, either the GLP-1 agonists or the, the dual GLP-1 GIP agonists. But there's still a number of questions in the obesity treatment world that still remain. One is, what is the optimal treatment algorithm for these patients? We don't have really any head-to-head trials comparing these different anti-obesity medications. And if we want to create a prescriptive treatment algorithm like we have for, say, type 2 diabetes, we need more direct comparative data. Mm -hmm. And then what about combination therapies? So in our study, we showed that combination therapies were effective at attaining that long-term weight loss maintenance, but ideally, prospective randomized trials would give us even more answers. Another question is, Why do patients with type 2 diabetes lose less weight than those without type 2 diabetes? If you look at Hmm. every single medication trial for obesity, patients with type 2 diabetes always experience less weight loss compared to those who don't have type 2 diabetes, Hmm. and we don't know why. And the last question that I'll leave you with is, we don't yet know who will benefit with which weight loss treatment. There's multiple treatment modalities, there's lifestyle changes, there's medications, there's bariatric surgery. With any of these, there's a heterogeneity in what weight loss we can expect. And we we ultimately don't know who's gonna lose how much weight. So it ultimately becomes sometimes a trial and error, which medication will produce which amount of weight loss, same with bariatric surgery. So really we need to figure out how do we phenotype these
0: patients so we can more personalize our weight loss treatments. It sounds like we still have much to learn, which is fun, we like to learn, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again here in the future about those learnings. I look forward to that. So thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. (laughs) I love to hear it, thanks. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Dr. Weintraub. If you'd like to learn more about recent research in obesity, I invite you to take a look at the Endocrine Society's Thematic Issue on Obesity, which explores some of the most intriguing obesity research published in society journals over the last few years. We'll include a link to it in the episode description. Is there a topic you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast? Let me know by emailing me at podcast at endocrine.org. Until next time, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.